Hello, Hopeful. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible. Here, we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in His world. Welcome. In a world that seems to have shifted to feelings and spirituality, quote-unquote, at the expense of the mind, do not miss the opening point today. God has spoken through the Son more fully and more authoritatively than through the prophets or the angels. And just like that, we are at the book of Hebrews. Welcome to today's part of our journey together through the Bible, reading every single word of it with the big picture in mind and considering our own life and work stories in light of that, which in light of these special recordings that I'm making right now to cover me while I'm off on my honeymoon, today gets us to this book that is all about Jesus. And I'll be honest, I may or may not be able to just do a clean read here. I mean, probably won't. So would you pray with me that the Spirit gives me wisdom as to when to emphasize or clarify something? I know you can go anywhere and hear a voice better than mine read this to you. And if you and I were in the same room, I'd be doing this conversationally anyway. So that's what we do here. But listening with your ears is different than reading with our eyes, right? So I try to read to you keeping in mind how you are hearing so as to improve comprehension. So I'm praying that we can do that today. And hey, if you were looking at the big picture argument of the book of Hebrews, the writer begins with an argument that Jesus is superior to angelic beings. We'll get through that today. And then he moves on to an argument that Jesus is superior to the Mosaic law, right? So here's the writer. We don't know who he is. Might've been Barnabas writing to Jewish Christians and saying that Jesus is more important than angels or the Mosaic law is kind of like a really big deal. And in part because you'll hear a repeated theme of endurance or staying true or faithful. And it's foundational because the writer closes out with a call to just faithfulness. Hebrews, picking up in chapter 1. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors by the prophets at different times and in different ways. In these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. God has appointed Him heir of all things and made the universe through Him. Pause. I know we're only two verses in, but did you catch the claim? Jesus, of course, being co-equal Father, Son, Spirit, is creator, right? So not leaving any of that to, to chance in terms of fully God, fully man. Continuing. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of His nature, sustaining all things by His powerful word. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So he became superior to the angels, just as the name he inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels 
Did he ever say, You are my son, today I have become your father? Or again, to which of the angels did he ever say, I will be his father and he will be my son? Again, when he brings his firstborn into the world, he says, And let all God's angels worship him. And about the angels, he says, He makes his angels winds and his servants a fiery flame. But to the Son, he says, Your throne, God, is forever and ever, and the scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of justice. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. This is why God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of joy beyond your companions. And he says, In the beginning, Lord, you established the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like clothing. You will roll them up like a cloak, and they will be changed like clothing. But you are the same, and your years will never end. Now to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool? Are they not all ministering servants sent out to serve those who are going to inherit salvation? For this reason, we must pay attention all the more to what we have heard so that we will not drift away. For if the message spoken through angels was legally binding and every transgression and disobedience received a just punishment, how will we escape if we neglect such a great salvation. This salvation had its beginning when it was spoken of by the Lord, and it was confirmed to us by those who heard him. At that same time, God testified by signs and wonders, various miracles, and distribution of gifts from the Holy Spirit according to his will. Okay, I'm just going to pause. We're part of the way into chapter 2. But catch what the writer here is arguing right he's saying this salvation meaning jesus life death burial resurrection had its beginning when it was spoken of by the lord and it was confirmed to us by those who heard him meaning those who were there the eyewitnesses right at the same time god also testified by jesus's work signs and wonders various miracles and then after that what was that the distribution of gifts from the Holy Spirit according to his will. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. That's what Jesus said. The Holy Spirit's going to come. You're going to receive power and witness. Continuing. For he has not subjected to angels the world to come that we are talking about. But someone somewhere testified, What is man that you remember him? Or the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the angels for a short time. You crowned him with glory and honor and subjected everything under his feet. For in subjecting everything to him, he left nothing that is not subject to him. As it is, we do not yet see, quote unquote, everything subjected to him. But we do see Jesus made lower than the angels for a short time, 
so that by God's grace he might taste death for everyone, crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death. For in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was entirely appropriate that God, for whom and through whom all things exist, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For the one who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one Father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters, saying, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will sing hymns to you in the congregation. Again he says, I will trust in him. And again he says, Here I am with the children God gave me. Now since the children have flesh and blood in common, Jesus also shared in these, so that through his death he might destroy the one holding the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who were held in slavery all their lives by the fear of death. For it is clear that he does not reach out to help angels, but to help Abraham's offspring. Just going to pause. Remember that Paul made a really long argument that you and I are Abraham's offspring, right? God came to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. That's Romans chapters 9 through 11. For it is clear that he, meaning Jesus, does not reach out to help angels, but to help Abraham's offspring. Therefore, he had to be like his brothers and sisters in every way, so that he could become a merciful and faithful high priest in matters pertaining to God to make atonement for the sins of the people. For since he himself has suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are tempted. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, who share in the heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. He was faithful to the one who appointed him just as Moses was, was in all God's household. For Jesus is considered worthy of more glory than Moses, just as the builder has more honor than the house. Now every house is built by someone, but the one who built everything is God. Moses was a faithful servant in all God's household as a testimony to what would be said in the future. But Christ was faithful as a son over his household. And we are that household if we hold on to our confidence and the hope in which we boast. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, I'm just going to pause. He's going to quote another big chunk of the Old Testament. Uh, in this case, Psalms, Acts, and uh, something he said a little earlier. But he quotes this as scripture, meaning he quotes Luke in Acts as scripture, and he's quoting Psalms as scripture. Really important for us to recognize that this is considered, that, that the New Testament was considered, the writings of the apostles were considered scripture even then, right? So this isn't some myth that developed over time. All right, picking back up. Here we go. Therefore, 
As the Holy Spirit says, Today if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested me, tried me, and saw my works for forty years. Therefore I was provoked to anger with that generation and said, They always go astray in their hearts and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my anger, they will not enter my rest. Watch out, brothers and sisters, so that there won't be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage each other daily, while it is still called today, so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. For we have become participants in Christ if we hold firmly until the end of reality that we had at the start. As it is said, Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who heard and rebelled? Wasn't it all who came out of Egypt under Moses? With whom was God angry for forty years? Wasn't it those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that we are unable to enter because of unbelief. Therefore, since the promise to enter his rest remains, meaning it's still around, it's still possible for you to enter his rest, meaning experience salvation. Therefore, since the promise to enter his rest remains, let us beware that none of you be found to have fallen short. For we also have received the good news just as they did. But the message they heard did not benefit them since they were not united with those who heard it in faith. For we who have believed enter the rest in keeping with what he has said. So I swore in my anger they will not enter my rest. Even though his works have been finished since the foundation of the world. I'm just going to pause. Do you realize that what Jesus did on the cross was decreed since the foundation of the world, right? In eternity past? So you and I experience this as history, and it's a beautiful thing that Christianity is a, a religion of history that fully accords with reality, with truth. But notice the argument here. He's like, wait a minute. This was made possible for you in eternity past. For we who have believed enter the rest in keeping with what he has said, when he said, So I swore in my anger they will not enter my rest, even though his works have been finished since the foundation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in this way, and on the seventh day God rested from all his works. Again, in that passage he says, They will never enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received good news did not enter because of disobedience, he again specifies a certain day, today. He specified this speaking through David after such a long time, saying, Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God 
would not have spoken later about another day. Therefore, a Sabbath rest remains for God's people. For the person who has entered his rest has rested from his own works, just as God did from his. Let us then make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will fall into the same pattern of disobedience. For the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. No creature is hidden from him, but all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. And my friends, that gets us up through chapter 4, verse 13. Mm, I love that little bit of poetry right there at the end, but I'm going to back up just a smidge. For the person who has entered his rest has rested from his own works, just as God did from his. And I don't know if you've ever thought about the Sabbath, like taking Sunday as, uh, as an expression of trust that God has already done in you and for you what you couldn't do and what you can never do right your own works are not how we're saved anyway i just love that last bit of poetry for the word of god right in the beginning was the word if we actually go back to genesis chapter 1 to uh, 1 verses 1 through 3 you see father son and spirit in the first 3 verses of the bible right so for the word which means both the words that we're reading right here and it means the Jesus, right? This is Holy Spirit-inspired scripture. For the word of God is living and effective. Where and how? Well, fully in heaven and, and by the power of the Spirit in you and me. And sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as, uh, as, the separation, as, far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. My friends, why is that so scary to people? Because we know we're guilty. And if you need a reminder, today is a good day to preach the gospel to yourself. To be reminded that if you call on Jesus as Lord and Savior, it is not by your own power. And that it's the complete opposite of religion and religiosity, which is performance-oriented, and it's about do this so you can get to God. When Christianity is just exactly the opposite. God did this for you, so now go and do likewise. Lord God, somebody here today just needs the reminder to rest in Jesus, to abide in Jesus, to know, to know, Lord, that Jesus is the one who can be trusted higher, <laughs> superior to the angels, superior to even what the Jews that would be receiving this letter, the Hebrews, would have been thinking, which is what? The word of Moses, the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, the law. That's that's God's word. And Jesus is, 
And the argument here is that, wait a minute, Jesus is the Word, superior to Moses. Lord God, may we each just have a renewed sense of falling in love with, with, with what Jesus did for us. And Lord, that your Spirit would so overflow us that we just couldn't help but share our story with others. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.